everybody. Um, uh, welcome to another episode of Get the Flick Out of Here. Um, <clears throat> I'm your host, Alex Pulowski. With me, as always, is Kate Elizabeth. And um, so, uh, quick thing. We promised you we were going to do Super Mario Brothers movie, the live-action one from 1983. But here's, here's my theory, Kate. <clears throat> See if you can spot any holes in this one. The owners of the IP knew we were planning on reviewing the original movie like days before their new big animated Super Mario Brothers movie was coming out in theaters. Mm-hmm. And they knew we would just savage the old one. And they of didn't course. want us to be able to. So they went back in time and pulled all of the uh, uh, everything away from all streaming in the U.S. Uh, yep. retroactive to a couple of years ago. And also they made me an idiot who thought it was available on Tubi and it's not. So you can't even you can't even rent it like on Amazon or or Apple, Apple videos. Um, but what you can do, uh, I guess, because you know, because tis the season, uh, the DVD is on sale for three dollars and seventy four cents uh, on Amazon. So that's going to be here tomorrow. So I'll watch it over the weekend, and then we'll review Super Mario Brothers nineteen ninety three, starring Bob Hoskins and John Leguizamo as the Super Mario Brothers. But wait, they're not actually brothers. Luigi was adopted, but they only mention it once, and they never bring it up again. We're gonna make, we're gonna do that one uh, next week. <clears throat> but I thought, Kate, uh, short notice, because I figured this out like Wednesday night. <laughs> short notice. What can we do instead? Is what I said. Um, and, are, you, wait, uh, are you asking me, Alex, if I uh, think your theory about them pulling down mm-hmm. the live action mm-hmm, version? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Are you asking me if I think it's fact or fiction? I I, I am. Well, Alex, mm-hmm. we made it up. Oh dang! <laughs> dang it! I thought it. I thought I knew it was. I knew it was beyond belief. But you know that never means it can, it can also be true. Things that are beyond belief can be true. Um, hey, everybody, uh, get in your super chats if you if you got something to say about Beyond Belief, Factor Fiction, which is a show that aired in the nineties ish, uh, sci fi. I don't know. Uh, it's it's a thing that became uh, that I didn't even know about while it was airing, but uh, became very popular because of a meme where they put together. Jonathan Frakes, uh, Commander Riker from not Next Generation, Star Trek Next Generation, just saying over and over again, no, no, no we made sorry. it up. Mm-mm, we made it up. Fiction. This one, it's fiction. It's fiction. This one, nope, not not this time. <laughs> not this time. Nope. nope. Uh, so, so it's an amazing, it's an amazing meme. I love it. Um, <clears throat> um, but what this does is it gives you five stories, and um, uh, they are beyond belief. And then it makes you wait until the end of the episode to tell you which ones are fact and which ones are fiction. And here's the here's the major conceit, the major problem I have with it. Not a, not a problem, because honestly, what what do you what do you have a problem with this show for? Um, uh, they never explain it to you. They just go, yes, this thing that seems impossible to have happened really happened. Anyway, moving on. No, 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 no. Like, but when? How? Do you have an interview with the person to, to whom this happened? Like, you will find that the, some of the stuff that I, that was in my episode, the ones that are like true. No, this is true. I'm like, well, no, this one seems more far fetched than the ones that, that were fake. 
Can you can you tell me a name so I can Google it? Like I would like to know what what this is, and they never do. They never do. So honestly, they could be lying to us. All of these could be fiction, and they could be making them all of them up, and they just decide to tell us at the end. So Here there, was no documentation. My qualm with it: not only do they not do that, but the ones I had two that were quote unquote true, but the language that they use was inspired by an actual event and based on an actual experience. Now, I know it's not a documentary because the reenactments are... But I think they didn't want you to be able to... This was like before mass Googling too, Mm -hmm. but I think they changed a lot of the scenarios Mm -hmm. so that you wouldn't be able to be like, oh, I remember hearing that name or oh, but I'm like... If you're immediately telling me the thing that is true is based on something or inspired by something, I'm kind of like, how much leadway did you take? In addition to not telling us, like, Mm -hmm. you're right, no follow-up interviews. Like, this was like, this kind of is the same formula almost as Unsolved Mysteries. All you needed to do was tell me this really happened in Arizona in 1982. And I'll figure out a way to Google that scenario with with oh, that. Oh, I got. I what did get one of those. Oh, did you? I got. Cool. I got. Um, I don't know if I got the year, but they said, and they didn't say specifically the town. They were like, off the yeah. Gulf Coast of Florida, and I was like, well, of course it happened in Florida. Like, of course. Uh, they could have just called the show Florida, or they might have. not real. <laughs> Florida or fact? Um, <laughs> Florida or fiction? Um, so, uh, yeah, um, th- listen, the first season stars James Brolin, Thanos' dad. Like, who wants to watch that? So so I said, when you're picking a random episode, Kate, stay away from the first season because you got to do Frakes because only Frakes has that wonderful blend of, um, I think I'm doing Shakespeare, with this ridiculous thing that he, every every time, everything's like, well, what do you think? Do you think this really happened? No, we made it up. Or no, this one's true. Uh, that's that's the thing for me. Every time it was a truth, we said, nope, this one really happened. Next one. Like, no, 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 not this one really happened. Next one. This yeah. one really happened where and when and to whom. That's what I want to know. I um, also found that my favorite parts of the show had nothing to do with the show. My favorite parts hmm. of the show were him and his puns about how you get there to ask if something was real. Like, mm-hmm. what of mine involves baking? I'll tell you right now. And he asked, yeah, okay. is this a recipe for truth? Or is this yeah. another half-baked lie that we... No. Oh, yeah. my God. Delicious. The yeah, reaction. Some of those were good. Yeah. Absurd. Um, yeah. What season did you use, by the way? I went season three, episode 13. Okay, I was season two, episode two, very early in the Frakes uh, area era. Um, uh, you can tell very easily when you watch uh, an episode uh, where it falls in the Frakes line because uh, he was out of work uh, for a bit and then got back into shape to do the Star Trek movies. And so the <laughs> <laughs> season two, uh, he, he did not look like he did in later seasons. Um, he also had like a really unfortunate haircut like an eight-year-old boy whose parents don't love him like that kind of haircut in season two it was not a good look for him um and also so i tried to find one that was inspired by something you said yeah. where they asked can a plant determine a murder 
mm-hmm. or something to that effect. Now, yeah. I think what they were saying is like, if you're able to probably take the insides of the leaf of some sort of plant, is it able to pick up them or whatever? I needed it to be like an Audrey two from Little right, Shop of course, situation. That's not what it is. Yeah, I couldn't find that episode. So what I did was because this is a widely available series, Alex. Oh, it is everywhere, available. including yeah. YouTube. And I was like, I'm going to let the YouTube search determine mm. for me. And nice. it gave me like also season three, episode one above this. And I was like, I'm not going season opener because you did a season mm-hmm. opener, I believe. Yeah, uh, season uh, episode two. Episode two. Okay. I was like, let's get a little bit deeper. Like if it's season three, let's at least do the back end of season. Three. Right. Let's span right. some episodes. Yeah. So then season three, episode 13 is what came up. And so that's okay. what I um, Do you want to do a thing? Cause they're, cause honestly, none of them really fit together. No, is, there's I'm, no, so, there's no continuity. So you, do you have five? I do have episode? five. I, I have five as well. Let's, let's do one of mine and then one of yours or, or whatever. And then, back yes. the, okay, good. I love that. All right. Okay. The way I found this out is I as I is I actually literally Googled um, best episodes of Beyond Belief Factor Fiction. And Ooh, I okay. thought it I thought it was going to be like a, a, a person who had like painstakingly watched every episode and this person um, through their own like criteria have just no. It's just um, uh, what has the best rating per episode on IMDb, and I oh. found that out later. The fir- the number one rated episode is from season one, but as I said, you can get that the hell out of here. No freaks, no, no freaks is a no go for me. No freaks, um, no viewing. Uh, but the the number two episode, uh, just star ratings wise on IMDb, uh, as as of this publication from twenty seventeen, is. Um, uh, Episode two uh, of season two. Okay, so the first, first, I will say all of the episodes in this episode, all of the little stories in this episode are are ghost related. Ooh, fun. Okay. Okay. Which, and that's why I wore this shirt because I ain't afraid of no ghost. There it is. So, um, this, the, 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 this, this story is called Fire Station 32. Okay, it's again. It's wonderfully narrated by Frakes the whole time. Uh, little Stevie loved wanted to. What boy doesn't want to be a fireman when they grow up? Little Stevie sure did, and that's why he hung around the fire station in his neighborhood. Um, uh, and then they do some a little little you know backstory of like uh, this guy who's the most senior member of that particular crew who works there. His name is I don't know. Let's say Parker. Um, and, uh, and he's played, there were, there were a bunch of like, Hey, I know that person, um, from, from stuff in the nineties. This is Brian Haney, who you may not know by name, but he was one of the guys chasing the baby in baby's day out, which is a, it's a wonderful slapstick comedy from the mid nineties. Uh, he's been, he was in a lot of stuff. He was an episode of Seinfeld. He was in a lot of stuff in the nineties. So I Brian Haney, stocky fella, blonde crew cut, um, perfectly cast as a fireman. He's the one who's got the real soft spot for Stevie. And they mention it only through, again, no real exposition. Who wants to write that? Um, uh, what it is is they uh, they just have Frakes uh, narrate it. And so he says, um, uh, uh, Parker and his wife uh, were not able to have children of their own. So Stevie, f- it felt like to him like, like a, a surrogate son or whatever, right? There's the new captain in, in the firehouse 
who's only been there a little while, um, but doesn't understand why there's a, why there's a child running around. He's 10. But apparently he's been coming there every day after school since he was six. Um, so, like, I don't know what's going on at Stevie's house. But why yeah, don't... Why feels like absence of parents that, there. That's a, that's a cry for help. I don't know yeah. why Stevie doesn't want to go home. But he wants to. I mean, Alyssa maybe wants to be a fire. But but also, it doesn't feel like anyone's ever met Stevie's parents. Like nobody's like, "Hey, go home and you know, see, like, tell your dad I said hi." Nobody ever says that. Anyway, so um, uh, he's like, "Hey, can I can I ride in the truck? We've been over this, Stevie. You're not allowed to ride in the truck uh, un- until you're over." Well, when did you start being a real fireman? I start. I joined up when I was 19. Well, that's when I'm going to do it. Um, and so, all right, Stevie, well, you 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 go home now, you know, whatever, because uh, we got training to do, whatever. Um, and so he's riding his bike home, Stevie is. And as he's p- passing a house, there's smoke pouring out of the windows of this house. And so he comes up to the door and it, it, he, it easily pushes open um, and you can hear people screaming. Help! We're trapped. Please help. Um, and so he's like, "Hold on, hey. So find something to cover your mouth and get down on the floor. I'm going to see if I can get to you." And he goes into the house because apparently he's like, I don't know, knows how to do stuff like that from just by osmosis. Um, so so anyway, he goes in. And the next shot um, is uh, back at the firehouse, right? And uh, Stevie runs up, and um, he says to Parker, "Hey, no, there, he gives him the address and everything. Hey, down in down Hemingway Lane, there's there's this there's a house that's on fire. I, I tried to get in, but I couldn't. You need to come fast." I was like, "Are you sure?" "Yeah, I wouldn't lie to you. You know that." "Okay, fine." Um, so then he runs back, okay, um, out of the firehouse. And then the, the chief comes out of his office. What's what's all the big hubbub? Well, Stevie just saw a fire down, you know, a couple blocks away. We haven't gotten an alarm. There's nothing going on. Nobody's called it in. Are you sure? He wouldn't lie to me, sir. All right, fine. You go check it out. And if there is a fire, you radio back to us. But take the small, small engine. So then he gets in the small engine and Stevie's already in there. He's like, like huh? Oh, he tells him the address again. He's like, okay, let's go. And they get there. And he immediately radios it in because it's a bigger fire now. And uh, I was like, "Okay, Stevie, you wait here. I'm gonna, uh, um, I'm gonna see what I can do." And then uh, later, the cut to all these old people being—I don't know—like family of seven or eight elderly brothers and sisters. I don't know a lot of. There's no children. All no, nobody even of, of a of an age other than I would say under seventy-five. But everyone's being carried out of the out of the house. Um, and Parker sits on the bumper of the of the fire fire station and says, you did good, Stevie. All these people are alive because of you. Um, and, uh, uh, um, thanks so much for coming and telling me and all this stuff. So, uh, says, uh, and then somebody said, you hear him say, somebody says, Hey, Parker, come over here. And so I was like, you wait here, Stevie. And he puts his, he puts his fire helmet on him and he walks away. He's like, Parker, I don't know how to tell you this. It's Stevie. I don't know how he even got here, but he's dead. He died of smoke inhalation, and here he is. And so he opens up the sheet. Like that's not possible. He looks back over at the bumper. There's no kid there, and he opens up the sheet, and there it's Stevie. 
So Stevie went in to try and save the people, but died himself. But then his ghost went back to the fire station and got Parker to come over to actually save the family. So, um, so, so, so there you go. So should we, should, let's do, let's do now, 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 here we go. Is it fact or fiction? We made this one up. No, that really happened. Really? This, is, this is the one All I want. Right. This is the one I was like, okay, well, no, 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 no. You owe me an interview with that fireman. Yeah. <laughs> I want to, I, I, you owe me an interview with the fireman who said, like, a, the ghost of a little boy that I had known came to me and said, there's a fire. Nobody else saw the little boy because of circumstances. And so then, but the little boy turns out was dead. Uh, that is, that is one that I am owed. I am owed that. Yeah. Yes, you are. Because I also have questions about that fireman's mental health. Yes, I do too. I have questions. (laughs) I want to know. (laughs) Me too. I want to know. All right. What's your first one? All right. Mine is the dealer. Uh, We've got Larry Schmidt who owns a casino, a club, and his club attracts suckers rounders and very often people with something to hide oh well immediately in from the fact that you opened this by saying suckers and rounders yeah it's normally the house wins but not tonight no uh dale blake is a casino dealer and there's this guy from the army who comes and he's just winning 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 at blackjack Mm. um larry schmidt who owns the club is suspicious about what's going on. Uh, and the mm-hmm. army vet is kind of painting the picture. I think that the dealer is in on it. It looks like, which uh-huh. of course Larry Schmidt is not very happy about. Mm. Um, this soldier comes up to Dale, the dealer on mm-hmm. a break. Dale is mm-hmm. drinking. He's kind of flustered uh, mm. by the fact that this is all happening. Cause he's not in on it. And the army guy tries to hand him five grand and says, thanks, here's your cut. And Dale Mm-mm. says, what? I didn't have any part of this. I don't know what you're talking about. Mm. The army man knows that Dale in a past career was in a marketing scheme that swindled senior mm. citizens. Oh, and so he's boy. trying to set him up. His parents or grandparents, I think it was, his grandparents, Got swindled out of their retirement from this guy. So this mm-hmm. is his vengeance. Uh, Dale goes back to his table. And the army guy goes to his table again. And he says, get out of here, man. Go play poker or something. And the most beautiful, overdramatic reenactment ever. Uh, and so army guy leaves the table. Uh, Dale finishes his shift. He wants to go for a ride. His one prized possession is his car. And in the passenger seat of the car is an envelope for $5,000. The same envelope he rejected earlier. This guy is trying to frame the hell out of Blake. Blake drives home. He calls Larry Smith. The owner says, I don't know what's going on. Larry And Dale died that night. Larry Smith, the owner of the club who was suspicious about what was going on, wants to check the army records. But the guy who was... Doing this, he died in Vietnam 25 years earlier. How did he get in the car without setting off the alarm? 
How did he keep winning at the table? Were the cards stacked against us, the viewer? Or did this really happen, Alex? <laughs> um, listen, this is one I want, I want to immediately dismiss because there's just too many holes in there. Uh, uh, but then that's not how this works. So I'm, I'm going to say uh, uh, truth. Alex. Yeah. We got you on this one. Damn. You made it up. <laughs> so, so I was like, I was like, wait a minute. So, so his old army buddy came to tape to frame him, but he was dead. From like, I was like, this is possible because all you have to do is like, just you could falsify your the the identity by like you know stealing the identity of a you know a, a long dead army guy. I think that's possible, but. Much like, and I don't want to be a spoiler, but it sounds like they create, the ones that are fake, it sounds like are, like, the way more ones that sound, like, more based. That happened yeah. on mine, too, to make yeah. the ones that are real, I think, by contrast, seemed all the more, like, mythical. Mine aren't too crazy. Mine all kind of play right. within a, a reasonable realm here. Right. Um, okay. Uh, this next one is called The Computer. Okay. Starts with um, a uh, middle-aged guy, forty-ish. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, I immediately recognize him from the movie Arachnophobia. Uh, and in the movie Arachnophobia, uh, there is a photographer who's going with a scientific expedition to um, uh, to South America, and that photographer is bitten by a horribly venomous spider and dies. Uh, and then that spider hitches a ride back in his coffin to the United States. And then that spider mates with a regular house spider. And then arachnophobia, the movie happens. So the photographer is played by this actor. You've seen him in a lot of stuff, but that's where I immediately recognize this guy from. Okay. And I was like, hey, it's that guy. I love doing that with, with things in the 90s because it's always fun. So anyway, oh, this guy, um, he's there. And he's so he's it in the family, you know, midsize SUV has uh, picked up. A teenager uh, who's got all of her school bags with her. Uh, she's wonderful. Uh, she's like she's wearing a little a horizontal striped shirt with a little collar underneath some overalls. It's she's very, um, and so she has a major term paper uh, due uh, on Monday. Um, so I'm just gonna you know I'll, I'll you know help I'll put the baby to bed and then I'll just be up until you guys get back writing my term papers. That's why I brought my laptop with me and my computer. Um, and so uh, I don't know why it's last minute babysitter thing, whatever, but the wife is there like here. If, if um, don't answer the phone. Okay. Just let it go to, to the, to the, to the answering machine. And if it's us, then you pick up and, and we'll talk, uh, but don't answer the door for anybody. You know, like, Oh, it's fine. I've been doing this. I listen. I'm going to be so busy writing my chair paper. I won't even have time to raid your fridge. <laughs> You're the best. Thanks so much, Becky or whatever her name was. Um, and so they drive to, a party like at a, at a house that looks exactly like the house that they apparently own. Cause I think they only <laughs> had the budget for one house and that they did two different scenes. Uh, um, and so it's the house, but it's a little different lighting and um, uh, there's balloons that are like attached to the, to the mailbox. So I guess they were going for a, for a party, but it's a fancy party at, a, a mid-sized ranch home. 
because there's a there's a there's a there's a valet there who's ready to park the car. Um, so they the wife when they get there is immediately like, oh, I don't know if we should have left him. It's our first time going away and leaving the baby alone. I just you know I'm I know I'm a worry wart. And she's like, it's fine. He'll be fine. Becky's great. Um, uh, blah 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 blah. And then they as they as the valet comes to the window, he looks in the rearview mirror and sees Becky has left her computer bag in the back seat. Oh no. She needs it to do her term paper. So I think the plan at this point was the wife's going to go inside, right? He'll really quickly drive back, give her the computer bag, then drive back to the party. I think that's the plan right now, but to make sure everything's fine, let her know that we're coming. Um, the wife uses the car phone to call the home phone that it goes to the answering machine. Nobody picks up. Hello. Hello, Becky. Are you there? Pick up. It's me. Um, are you there? Is everything all right? And so they decide they're going to just, just to make sure though, you know, maybe she's changing the baby in the other end of the house or something, whatever. Um, she can't hear the phone. Let's just go back and make sure. So they tell the valet to screw off and then they, they drive back. And um, when they get there, um, the, the front like big bay window has been smashed to pieces. And, and it's like, Call the police, says the husband as he runs through the door. Um, and he gets in the in the front room and sees uh, the teenage babysitter um, uh, tied to the recliner, like gagged, like bound and gagged to the recliner. Uh, goes in. The baby is fine in the um, um, uh, in the playpen thing. Right. And so um, she's trying to untie the like the babysitter. It's like, like oh, no, 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 he's still here. And so the, the, the mom comes running. In, oh, my God, what's going on? That's fine. Everything's fine. It's all fine. And then this teenage boy runs out of the bedroom with like a pillowcase full of like, you know, heirlooms or whatever <laughs> and uh, trips over himself, drops the pillowcase and runs through the front door, uh, nearly knocking over the, the mother. Um, and so it was like, was like, I'm fine. The baby's fine. He, he just wanted your stuff. I don't, I don't know what happened. Uh, he, I, I turned around. He was already in here. I don't know what, what happened. Um, so, uh, was like, uh, well, the police are on the way. Thank God it was only things that they could be replaced or whatever. Uh, but the craziest thing, we never even would have come, come home if we didn't see your computer bag in the back seat. Like my computer bag, you mean this computer bag dun 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 so wait was there did was it was it an optical illusion was it a guardian angel inside a laptop bag what's going on is this fact or fiction okay i'm gonna say this one is fiction simply from the fact i don't think they would do real ones back to back oh okay all right um, it was fiction. Nailed it. Nailed it. Nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> ah, I love it. I'm, I'm glad you guys enjoy this. Honestly, I wish I, I want this to be the whole show. I want this to, yeah. every episode to be us watching Factor Fiction. Uh, ancient Aliens, Factor Fiction, or Unsolved Mysteries, yes. and then reporting to the other one about it. That's what I want this whole show to be, honestly. <laughs> I'm in. So much, <laughs> just, I'm I, in. We'll, we'll find out. 
My next one is oh, called you go. Yeah. Gratuity. And this one I knew immediately, <laughs> whether it was fact or fiction. Floyd Cummings is a cab driver reliant oh. on tips, as many service industries are. He's trying to pay his college tuition mm-hmm. as a cab driver. Yep. It's a rough life out there, but he can always oh. count on a pick-me-up from his girlfriend who in this reenactment is explaining that not everybody who's a bad tipper is a rude, terrible person. She explains, you don't know their situation. Okay. They could have just split up with their wife for all, you know, like just incredible, the most nineties looking woman you've ever seen too. Like the Mm -hmm. perfect hair length, the Mm -hmm. perfect like makeup template. Mm -hmm. Um, so he is visiting her on his break. Um, in the cab from cab life. Uh, and while he's talking to her, the radio goes on and a message from the cop says dangerous man in his forties wearing a suit. Oh. Um, Oh, before we get to this, I'm sorry. Okay. In his cab, he has an insult insultator, which mm-hmm. is if you give a bad tip and you hit the button, it insults the person who tipped you. So it'll really? be like, cheap tip buddy or whatever or like you're not gonna get far if that's all you've got so there's this device this insult insulter insulter wow whatever wow um so the radio comes across dangerous man in his 40s wearing a suit white male probably traveling by cab he's gonna be heading to the airport because he's trying to get out of town because he's dangerous okay so man in a suit Traveling by White taxi. White man in a suit, traveling by taxi. To the airport. You don't yeah. say. Isn't that like extremely 65% rare. of the people that take cabs in, in the 1990s? Extremely dangerous guy. Uh, tons of context clues. But he doesn't even <laughs> hear that generic message because he's oh. talking to his girlfriend. So... He ends up picking up a white guy in a suit to go to the airport. No, I mean, like, like honestly, that's, that's... Most cabs try and pick up white guys in suits. Going to and from the airport because that's yeah. a sick fare, especially yeah. in the 90s before like Uber oh, yeah. was a thing. Um, so he picks up this guy, guy's kind of rude in the cab, but he doesn't think much of it. Goes to drop him off, and the guy gives him no tip. And so, what does he do but hit the insulter button? And the insulter button spews out compliments. Could it be? Because his girlfriend changed out the insulters to say nice things. She also gave him a pendant of St. Christopher, um, who will protect you from pretty much anything except low tips. Um, and the cops come and they pick up this guy off of the very description of wearing a suit uh, and being a white guy in your early 40s. Um, and the cops arrest him. Um, but because it played the complimentary message instead of the insulting message, he's like, you know, sometimes you just need to hear a nice thing to turn around your day. And he doesn't do anything violent to him. So cops arrest him. They say, you're a lucky man. And he says, I think it might be more than luck. Was it the pendant from Sally? Uh, was it Sally, the girlfriend switching out the insulter to nice messages You'll get no tips from us on this one. 
Okay. Here's here's the problem I have with the story. I feel like this is not a real product, and that therefore I'm going to go ahead and say fiction. Oh, the amount of fiction of this, the fact that he's a paying his college tuition with cab yeah. fare. Yeah. This yeah. is so. This was a this was a hoax. We made it ah. up. Okay, um, this one, as soon as that insulter box was in play, I was already mm-hmm. suspicious by the fact that the guy was Floyd Cummings. Yeah. And he also just had this like this narrative about tips and people. Tipping. Floyd, Floyd Cummings. The names uh, were, were changed because we made it up. We made it up. Paying his college tuition with cab fare, not a thing. Yeah. Um, the insulter box, not a thing. A white guy in his 40s in a suit as a description that's valid enough for the cops to come pick him up in this cab. Also, not yeah. a thing. This yeah. one I could immediately tell was fiction, and it was, Alex. Um, so, uh, the, <clears throat> the next one is called The Girl Next Door. Um, uh, Curtis um, is uh, is a guy who um, uh, is a womanizer. All right, he's got he's got a little black book full of thousands of names. That's what thousands, thousands. I think that's the phone book, and it's not black; it's yellow usually. Um, and so uh, he was on the phone with. Uh, uh, he says, um, "Hey, yeah, so." Uh, I'll see you tonight, Sylvia. Uh, Ashley. I, I, I mean, uh, uh, Tiffany. I, 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 Jennifer. Like oh, no, wait, number wait, seven. wait, no, don't hang up. All right. Well, there's always the little black book. I'll, call, I'll find another, another woman who will readily give me sex this evening because I am a womanizer. Um, so he's trying to find some other girl to call who whose name he hasn't used with his last girl that he called. Um, and, uh, and there's a knock on the door. And he opens it up, and uh, her name is Florence. Um, and uh, uh, <clears throat> um, I forget what her, what her last name is in this thing. But she says, hello. Um, uh, anyway, Curtis just moved to this neighborhood. Okay. He has a, I don't, it would seem that he didn't move to a new city. Because if so, the thousands of names in his black book are useless at this point. Correct. They um, need a, a flight. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so um, a, a new, new neighborhood. And she says, I just wanted to come over and welcome you to the neighborhood. I live across the street. And she's gorgeous, by the way. Um, and so Curtis is, uh, says, uh, oh, hey, girl next door. And I wanted to say, no, Curtis. Girl across the street. Yep. It's not the same thing. Literally, there are different houses. Please don't go next door looking for this girl. She's not going to be there. She's not going to be there. She um, literally lives across the street. She said, I live across the street. So um, uh, so anyway, um, he uh, decided that he's going to another conquest. Um, and so um, he uh, you know, wants to talk to her for a little while. He's like, oh, no, no. I'm, I got to think. He's like, well, how about this? Um Thank you. I want to thank you for for coming over. Nobody else has come over to welcome me to the neighborhood. Uh, So how about uh, come over tonight for dinner? I'm a really good cook. I'd love to to give you dinner to say thank you for for you being so hospitable. All right, that'd be nice. Uh, All right, see you at seven. So then that night um, at at dinner, he's putting the moves on her, right? Um, And... uh, 
And then uh, she's like, you know, she's like, oh, this is a wonderful home. I love what you've done with the place. Have you been in here before? I guess maybe you have. Maybe maybe the person who was living here before and you were good friends. Uh, anyway, I love what you've done with the place. Um, uh, he's been moved in for like a day. He's a bachelor and there's not boxes everywhere. I call bullshit. Yeah. Um, I call bullshit. Uh, that thing would be full of boxes for like six weeks. So, um, uh, so anyway, um, uh, he, he, he immediately he walks up behind her in the living room, puts his arms around her waist from behind and starts nuzzling her neck. And like, this is, she's like, this is very forward. I'm like, yes, it is. Um, uh, but uh, she rebuffs him, but in a nice way. He's like, I'm just not, I'm, a, I'm an old fashioned kind of girl. Um, and she's like, okay, well, uh, maybe, well, I'd like to see you again. Can I call you? Um, so then uh, it goes to this thing. There's a montage. This is something that Curtis had never felt in a long time. He was in love. This was not the same old flings that he normally had, blah, blah, blah. And it shows them like having a picnic in the park and holding hands, walking and everything. Like they're like, it's, it's that they're in love. What, right, right. Um, and uh, so uh, she um, is like, she's distant one day when they're like sitting on a porch swing. And, uh, and he's like, what's wrong? I had a fiance who left me. And I'm still not really over it. And I just don't know if I can trust or trust anyone ever again. Like, listen, I'm a one woman man. And the way that the narration by Frakes said it, like, well, maybe this is it. Maybe he was waiting for the right woman to come along. Um, And uh, like, anyways, like their courtship is different for him, whatever. Maybe he really is that. Um, and the way that he says, I'm one woman, man, this is it. I'm with you. Um, and, um, uh, I want, I want to be with you. Blah, blah, blah. Um, and so, uh, they hug. It's very wholesome. Um, and then, uh, like, but the next night he did not realize how close that Florence was sitting to his open bedroom door as he was on the phone with another of his conquests. And he's like, hey, so I'll see you tomorrow at the lake house. We'll have lots and lots of sex, basically, is what he says. Very loudly, why this woman is sitting next. Like, like, wait a minute. I thought you were a woman. Like, you just, you just, like, literally five seconds ago told her, I'm a one-woman man. And then, while you know she is in your house, in your open bedroom door, you're like, hey, baby, not this girl who's also here. Let's have sex. Um... And uh, she's like, no, it's over, Curtis. I'm leaving. Um, and she she leaves. But uh, before he can get out the door after her, uh, after he's, he's slowed down by something. So anyway, he, he gets out and um, he wants just wants to talk to her. So later that day, um, he walks across the street and he knocks on the door of the house across the street. And there's a, uh, a guy raking leaves in the front yard. It's like, hello, I'm, I'm looking for Florence uh, who lives here. Um, she at work or Florence? No, no, no. Uh, Minister James has lived here um, uh, uh, for the last 25 years alone since his wife died um, uh, or something like that. And this is, uh, wait, wait a minute. Um, Florence Wheeler, that's her name. Florence Wheeler. Um, like, uh, <clears throat> wait a minute. The Minister James. And like he hasn't noticed a giant church next door to his, his woman's house. Then it is right there at church. Like, oh. Minister James from that church. And so he looks over there and sees Florence running through the little courtyard and then she vanishes. Ooh. And he follows her there 
And he's looking around. Florence, Florence, where are you? The door to the church is locked. Florence. And he just happens to look down. He's in the graveyard of the church. Of I was course down. he is. Florence Wheeler, 1925 to 1949. What could this be? Oh could it be God. these star-crust lovers were actually uh, uh, didn't stand a ghost of a chance uh, or whatever? Um, uh, so is it fact or fiction? This is tough because there's a lot of holes in this. But at the same time, Men can be really stupid, and you said the true ones sound pretty mm-hmm. fake. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna say it's true. False. Oh, not this time. It's a hoax. We got gotcha. you. You suck. Did you have? Did you have two real and three fake? Uh, I won't tell you that because that'll 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 tell you what's the next ones are. Fine. No, because if I if I tell you which which ones, then you'll know which the next two are. No, 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 no. Fine. It was fake. It was as fake as it sounded. All right. This one is one that I got right immediately as well. Oh, good. I got to say. It starts in a bakery. Mm-hmm. Dominic is the baker. Uh-oh. Don't like it already. The uh, The owner is Martin Duncan Jr. Oh, of course it is. Real hot shot, this bakery mm-hmm. owner. Mm-hmm. Uh. He wants Dominic to bake a cake for Augie Bennett, who is the most powerful man on the Eastern Seaboard. This is going exactly where you think it is. Martin Duncan Jr. in this reenactment is the least subtle guy in the world. Of course. He's like, "Uh, I want you to bake a cake for Augie Bennett, the most powerful guy on the Eastern Seaboard. And Dominic's like, all right, like for his birthday. Or he he just keeps being like, we we did some business. And he's like, mm. your business is your business, man. What do you need from the cake? Mm-hmm. He was like, is it his birthday? And he was like, no, no, no. We did business. And I want to celebrate. Mm. So I just need a generic, we killed a guy cake. <laughs> and Dominic says, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll bake you a cake. Whatever. I'm not, not getting involved. Do you want a cake? I'll mm-hmm. bake you a cake. Mm-hmm. Um. There's also this really great thing where Martin Duncan Jr. He just like has a piece of like a, a roll, like a, a bread, and he eats it. And he's like, this is good bread, Dominic. <laughs> it's just like the weirdest thing. Like before he asks him for the cake, he's like, this is mm. why you're the best. Is this bread right in my hand mm. that I'm eating in the seat? It's so no bad. one else makes bread like you, Dom. You're the only man who can make my murder cake. Um... So Dominic is working through the night, he's baking this cake, and he goes to put it in the oven, and he hears weird sounds coming from the oven. Mm-mm. And it's the screams and moans of dead people, it sounds like. He opens the oven, and he sees the devil. And he's like, I ain't baking this cake. This is already about a murder situation. I ain't doing it. I gotta get the hell out of the kitchen. Goes to the front of the store. He calls Martin Duncan Jr., we call Duncan Jr. at this point. Calls him up. Duncan Jr. runs down. And he says, I can't bake this cake. All right. There's demons in the freaking oven. I ain't mm. doing it. Mm-hmm. And he says, oh, earlier, he says, bake this cake or you're fired. Which is amazing because at no point does Dominic object really to baking the cake. 
Like, get it right. done or you're fired. And he's like, all right. All right. Um, so now that he can't bake the cake, he's like, don't come back here. I never want to see you again. I'll finish this cake myself. If the only thing uh-huh. left to do is put it in the oven. Sure. Dominic goes home. He's explaining to his wife that he lost his job. And then he gets a notification from the bakery that uh, there's smoke just going crazy in the bakery. And he figures that Duncan Jr. is an idiot and he probably burned mm. the cake or whatever. He goes down there and what does he find in the oven? But Duncan Martin Jr.? Duncan Jr.'s body in the cake. <sighs> calls the cops. And it is revealed in an investigation that Martin Duncan Jr. did indeed murder crime boss Jake Phillips. Was this gang retaliation? A recipe for truth or a half-baked lie, Alex? So far, you've had one of each. Mm-hmm. The last one was 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 a, was a wait. No, 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 I've had two fake ones. Then it's got to be real. This one is real. Okay. This was inspired by an actual event. And I knew this one was real because it felt, it felt too, like, mm-hmm. it, it, you just you could just tell you could just tell. Mm-hmm. And once mm-hmm. I found out, like, inspired by, I was like, the only thing that I was questioning with this being real, I was like, there was no murder crime boss named Jake Phillips. There just was no. But well, they would have changed like, the names to make to, like, actual but, yeah, events. yeah. I but could absolutely was- see, yeah, the the yes. I mean, listen, when they when they say stuff like this one actually happened, um, the devil wasn't actually in the man's. uh, Correct. But that man might have thought he saw the devil and that's why he did it or nothing. Or he said he saw the devil and was like, I don't want to be involved in your murder. Okay, my my fourth one is the wallet. The wallet. The wallet. Uh, don't remember the kid's name. Doesn't matter. Uh, kid wearing a Letterman's jacket. A five foot seven white guy is uh, trying to get a major college scholarship to play wide receiver. So you can tell it's the nineties because nope. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that is a very short, unathletic. I was gonna say uh, this is uh, fake. <laughs> short, unathletic. Um. Uh. <laughs> Short and uh, uh, doesn't look very athletic. Uh, white kid uh, uh, trying trying to trying to do this one, um, and um, he's um, uh, he's going out for passes with his friend in a park, uh, and his friend's not a really good uh, quarterback, uh, so he throws it uh, really far, and, uh, and he dives for it but misses, and ends up like um, with his face right next to. A wallet just discarded on the ground of the park, right? Um, and uh, it, he opens it up, um, and uh, in it, there's a bunch of credit cards and uh, no cash, but there's an ID. Um, uh, who, who knows what I forget what the guy's name is, um, but uh, his older fella in the picture, and there's got uh, an address. Well, this isn't that far from here. It's like, man. There's no cash in there. If you go and return it, they're going to think you stole it, says the friend. And I'm like, well, like, maybe 
I don't know why somebody would jump to the conclusion of, hey, you went to all the trouble to find my address and give me back my wallet. I assume you stole the cash. Why wouldn't you just steal the cash and leave the wallet on the floor like the actual person who stole the wallet did, which is how this person found it. Anyway, right. this kid, we'll call him Eric. Um, he goes to this place and he when he finds out this this um, this house, his address is a huge mansion, right? Big gate that he walks through and he rings the doorbell. And uh, I don't know what, like, not... Every butler is Lurch from the Adams family, but this particular show thought it was. Um, and uh, and so uh, it, it is. Um, it, it, it he goes, "Hello, you rang," and it's just a very, very tall, uh, pallid, bald uh, man in his fifties in a tuxedo. Obviously, the but the, the butler. Um, uh, and again, hey. Where do I know that guy from? Is my immediate thing. I have no idea. I don't know what his name is. I didn't look at the credits, so I didn't look him up. But I'm like, I know I've seen that guy in other things. Just not sure what yet. Um, and it's uh, like, um, hi. Well, I'm, I'm looking here for uh, for Mr. Uh, I don't know whatever his name was, Mr. Davidson. Uh, Mr. Davidson. Uh, I found his wallet. The address says in his on his ID says he lives here. Um, uh, yes, come in. Won't you come in? Won't you be be so good as to stay here in the foyer? I'm going to go and find Mr. Mr. Manningham. Perfect. I don't know. I don't know. So um, <clears throat> I'll go find Mr. Mr. Manningham. No, I'm I'm here just to. I just want to give Mr. Davidson back his wallet. Please, please stay here. So he he walks away and uh, he's like he's looking around. I was like, and Frakes' narration is like um, the appointments in this house. Just say furniture. You don't even say appointments. It's a weird. It's like, like appoint the appointments. Like appointments. Is the doctor's office? Oh no 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 no. You mean the place is well appointed? Yes, I get it. Um, they they were lovely but old and out of fashion is what this guy says. So he's looking around at them, and then a giant hand lands on his shoulder, and it's not the butler. It's another incredibly tall guy, only just only serving to remind us how tiny Eric is. And he's really needs money to be able to go to college. That's why he's trying to become a why he's going to get a scholarship. Um, so uh, he, Oh, we should also mention that they, they say that he was, he spent his entire youth in foster care. He has no idea who his birth parents are. Okay. So, um, so as I, I wanted to know where you found this wallet, uh, it's just the park. It's like a few blocks from here. Um, I just found it on, on the, on the ground. I saw the things that, uh, all you, you you did notice that all the credit cards were expired um, several years ago. Uh, I didn't look at the credit cards. I just looked at the ID. Like, um, is Mr. Davidson here? Can I give it back to him? Um, now, you, what is what is this? Who put you up to this? Says I, Mr. Davidson's attorney. Who put you up to this? I'm the executor of his estate. Who put you up to this? Um, like nobody, I just found a wallet and wanted to return it. Isn't that the, the good thing to do? Um, like you we, we, would have asked you some questions. I'm a what? Well, and that's no. I'm I'm just I'm I don't, like, I don't know what all this is about. Uh, what lawyers? Uh, but you got a butler. Is both very tall. I'm an incredibly <laughs> small person. I'm just gonna back into this table and and knock over some some picture frames. And when I turn around, I'm gonna look at the picture frames and see my own face. In a bunch of pictures from like the 1950s. 
the hair is different, but it's my own face. Um, what is all of this? What? Who? What? What? I'm I'm out of here, right? And he runs away. And then the lawyer has a conversation with the butler. It's like, um, this this boy, you could be able to locate him. Uh, uh, um, yes, 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 sir. Uh, he's the jacket he's wearing features the colors of the local high school team. He shouldn't be hard to locate at all. Ah, good. Um, isn't it odd that you've been trying now for two years to find an heir to Mr. Davidson's uh, substantial monies, and finally, this would happen like this? Um, yes, it is odd. Um, oh, the the the, the boy is undoubtedly. Uh, a relative. He, he's the spitting image of Mr. Davidson's younger brother who died 30 years ago. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so it's a, uh, he says, so apparently this kid found a wallet. Oh, the, 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 that guy died two years ago. And for two years before that, they mentioned in here, he was housebound. Like he was sick and dying for like a long time. So he couldn't leave. So, uh, the 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 earliest that wallet could have been dropped in that park is four years ago, which explains why all the credit cards are or whatever. And so they're going to go find him. Is this fact or fiction? I'm going to say it's fact. Fact. Yes. But I, I have no idea. Like again, like what? But do, do wait, wait. Did you have a break in? Did somebody steal a wallet? Because the wallet also was brand new. I also want to know, like, did he end up getting a bunch of money? Because this mean, is why receiver apparent- career didn't turn out. Uh, no, 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 no. Apparently, he got the inheritance, which allowed him to at least go through college. Maybe just now he's a millionaire. Did to go you to college. like get blood work to find out if they're actually related? I, I'm, like, I, I'm I assuming. What is what are the next steps here? That's what yeah. I need to know. We need them. We need them. That's a fun one. It's mm-hmm. a fun one. Mm-hmm. This one is called First Time Offender. Okay. There's a punk ass named Troy Crane. That's what you got to know here. He thought he could get away with anything as long as he had his lucky amulet, which is just a, I don't don't know what that was. It's a pendant? Yes. I I don't, I don't, I've never heard that term. No, no, usually amulet is a thing they use like, give me the amulet because it's a thing that holds magical power in it. Oh, okay. Like Indiana Jones found a lot of amulets. That makes sense. Okay, so it's a pendant. That's an Mm -hmm. amulet. Um, Thought I could get away with anything, and he robs someone of a gold watch, or he steals a gold watch from a store, rather, like a a gorgeous, thick gold watch. Um, He gets arrested for it, and uh, he has to go to court. And when he goes to court, the only things that he brings to court that matter with him are his mom and the amulet. Very convinced that this pendant, this amulet, lucky, magical, nothing can go wrong in this kid's life. This is a devil swerve one. This is fun. His mom reveals in court that the gold watch that he stole, she was putting payments on to buy for him because he'd been eyeing this watch before he stole it. He wouldn't shut up about the watch. So really, he was trying to steal his own watch. And the mother says, I would like to just pay off the rest of it and let it go. Um, And the judge kind of is like, well, (laughs) given that this is your first offense, it's very important. Maybe there's something we can work out. And as he's 
conducting the next steps, the lucky amulet falls to the ground. He can't pick it back up. It's moving via ghosts. Whatever knocked Finn Balor off the top rope is what's keeping mm-hmm. him from picking it up. Mm-hmm. He's like, mm-hmm. I guess my hands are wet. I'm sweaty because I'm at trial. My hands are a little clammy. Like, I couldn't pick it back up. And the judge says, Bailiff, please let me see the pendant. Let me see this amulet. And he sees it, and he turns it over, and there's an inscription. And he says, I gave this to my wife two weeks ago, and it was ripped off her in a violent attack from someone with your exact description, and I think you did this. So I have to recuse myself from this case because I now have personal involvement, but I'm going to file charges for felony Mm. assault and robbery uh, because you gave this, I gave this to my wife. This is clearly hers. I recognize it. I recognize it by the inscription on the back. It was customized. uh, And he ended up serving felony assault and robbery at a youth center. And Alex, I have to ask you, did fate tip the scales of justice? Or are they pulling our chain? And this Swervsky. I don't know. The double swerve has me. Uh, fiction? Alex? Mm-hmm. We made this one up. Ah, good. <laughs> good. Um, uh, okay, so we're running out of time. I'm do the last one real quick. Because they put a lot of filler into this one. A lot of filler. <laughs> Um, uh, there's a lot of filler in this. Um, this one is about a city family going camping. Um, the, the, the father is useless. Cannot put the tent together. Uh, the mother played by Wendy Shall, who was, uh, who was, um, the, the hot blonde across the street in the burbs. So immediately I was like, Hey, I love Wendy Shall. She's amazing. Um, but she, she was also useless. Just wanted to eat Cheetos. Um, let's their eight-year-old son, Randy, just walk off somewhere looking for night crawlers in the middle of the day so that he and the dad can fish and catch fish. Pretty sure this this dad who can't put together a tent, probably useless with a fishing pole. Anyway, there's there's at least eight minutes of nothing happening. Just the dad wanting to get busy with his wife in the wide open spaces because there's no tent while his son is off somewhere looking for worms. Okay, so that's most of the thing. Um, the son comes across uh, while looking for worms, gets bit by a rattlesnake on his Ooh. hand. Falls down, and right there is a guy in a wheelchair, right? And he says, hello, son. Uh, it's all right. It's a, ba- it's a bad bite, but it's okay. Um, there's, uh, uh, you have to calm down. Stop crying. Uh, it, there's a first aid kit right behind me hanging off the back of this uh, wheelchair. Like, uh, can you do it? I can't move my arms, son. So you're gonna have to do this yourself. And so he gets a thing that like suctions to the bite, and that you can pull the the like suck the poison out like through this with the contraption. All right, you did a good job. Thank you very much. Um, and uh, you did. A, you're a very brave boy. I'm a doctor, and uh, and uh, uh, so you. I know what you. I know what I'm doing. Blah blah blah. Thank you. Did a really good job. Then uh, um, the, the the husband and wife are running around, stumbling everywhere, and they're like loafers and and heels through the oh randy where are you and then um they like as like uh, randy fell asleep apparently and woke up like mom dad oh my god there you are i was bit by a snake but the nice man in a wheelchair where did he go um uh, he helped me and then the paramedics are there in the next scene it's like um um where's the nice man in a wheelchair nice man in a wheelchair what are you talking about um 
there's a, there's a, he said he was a doctor and he was in a wheelchair and he gave me the thing that used the, he, he gave me this, like he holds up the actual thing that he used. And I was like, oh, what, what? Well, I don't know. There was a, there's a man named uh, Tom Morris and uh, he was from here uh, and he went off to Yale and uh, decided to become a doctor. He got his, his medicine, medical license, <clears throat> become a doctor, but on his way back to his hometown, he was in a horrible car accident, paralyzed from the neck down. Oh, well, do you know what do you have his address? Can we go visit him? Well, that's the thing. Dr. Morris died seven years ago. Dun, dun, dun! This one's fiction by process of elimination. It is fake. I'm sorry, sorry, no, 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 sorry. It is fact. They told me it fact. It is. They told me fact. Interesting. They told me me fact, Kate, and now I'm telling you fact, and you are right to disbelieve me because I disbelieve them. Especially when you said that there were eight minutes of fluff in here, that makes me feel like they were they were trying to stretch one out. You know what I mean? That this was like I I I thought they were trying to stretch out the episode, but like they told me that this this kid who was like no no here's the thing oh yeah no. Uh, we have a lot of sightings of this quadriplegic ghost who helps people with snake bites around the lake. I mean, it's a thing that happens here. You honestly, you really got to be from here to understand what it's to all understand, about. Like, yeah. honestly, it's, it was, yeah, yeah. I thought it might, the only thing that I thought might be real about it, I was like, well, maybe he was just like hallucinating or something because he got bit by a snake. I, I Interesting. Interesting. But he okay. has like the implement. He was given a thing. A thing, like, a yeah. Thing. Interesting. So weird. I like it. And we know that they don't have a formula. They switch up. Yeah. Your real versus fake. All right. This one is called The Mirror. A cosmetic surgeon is called to do a house call. Now, normally, a cosmetic surgeon would not be doing house calls. But this woman said she refused to leave the house until someone were to come and look at her face. Mm. Jocelyn... uh, is gorgeous she's babe she is with a man that she believes is going to propose to her and so she goes Mm -hmm. to get her makeup done she's getting her eyes done um and she's talking to the cosmetologist and telling her that um you know she's just always been so hot that no one's ever really loved her until now this was the first person who's loved her for who she is and not for her sick hot bod and face um, the cosmetologist mm-hmm. does, uh, her makeup and it, it sounded like a, a procedure around her eyes. Uh, and Jocelyn hates the way it came out, came out horrible. She refuses to pay for it. Uh, she is made uglier by the whole experience. Oh. Uh, and she is leaving and telling nobody to ever come to this cosmetologist. This is how ruined her life is now by her screwing up her makeup in this eye procedure. Uh, The cosmetologist puts a curse on her that says she wishes that uh, every time she looks into the mirror, she sees her soul instead of her actual face. And this is why she is called the plastic surgeon, essentially. Uh, 
the plastic surgeon sees nothing different with her face, but every time this woman looks into the mirror, she just sees an ugly troll. And he's like, there's not anything that I can do for you. Before she called the plastic surgeon, she called this cosmetologist back and apologized. This woman never returned her call. She said, you have to list, lift the curse. This is was, insane. Was, was the cosmetologist perhaps an old gypsy woman with a crystal ball in front of her? I'm not really sure. It it definitely, definitely sounds that way. Uh, okay. But she asked for her to lift the curse, and she never did. But to the outside world, her face looked normal. But to her, every time she looked at the mirror, she looked like a terrible troll. Um, Sweet. And just, the, just remove all mirrors from your home. You're good. You're basically good to go. I don't think her husband-to-be, her fiancé, left her because of this. Like, her face looked fine. But the plastic surgeon said, I can't do anything for you because, like... There's nothing wrong with your face. It's just every time you look in the mirror. But the acting in this one, you got to go see it. Because she looks wow. in the mirror and what's in the reflection is like this horrendous troll looking thing. But the rest of her is just this beautiful. It's so great. It's so great. Uh, the, the, your, the cosmetologist who may or may not be a voodoo priestess kind of mm -hmm. sells it for me. Is it fiction? Alex, this is based on an actual experience. No, it's not. No. This is the one that I told you was in Florida. So. <laughs> oh, well, there you go. There you go. If it's not, if it's not fact and it's not fiction, it's definitely Florida. It's Florida. <laughs> um, <laughs> too fake to be fact, it's Florida. Um, it's Florida. Uh, wow. Um, here's the thing. Apparently we have to do a whole series of these because there's one that involves a dead wrestler played by Jake, the snake Roberts. I'm not Hell sure which yeah. one that is, but we got to find it. We're we got to do it, it at some point. <laughs> we're going to find it. We're going to do it. Apparently. Hey, um, I hope you guys enjoyed this. This was fun. Little impromptu thing. Uh, we may do more of these in the future because we enjoyed it. And if you guys enjoyed it, that's great too. Um, thank you everybody for being here. This is a quicker one. Next, next, next week. Well, hold we'll on. We'll figure out how. What? Are you keeping the show? Or are you getting at the flick? Oh, oh, listen, 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 listen. You got to keep it. You, you gotta do got to keep it. You, you do got to keep, keep it. I would recommend like being under the influence of something. I, I, yeah. I'm not even someone that is. No. But I, it feels like listen, from it's 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 drugs, worth it. It's worth it to it. watch something that is absolutely a lie and be told by William Riker in a very smug voice. This one's fact. This no, one's it's true. not. You're lying to me. You're not. You have nothing to back this up. Give no. me dates. Give me dates and a place and People, a name I can Google. Otherwise, I think you're lying to me about how it's fact. Exactly, Commander William Riker. His name's Riker. I said Riker. I don't know why it's funny, but it is very funny. Um, next week, we promise we'll, we'll figure out a way to do some Mario Brothers 1993, which is a really atrocious film. Um, uh, and get you in the mood to watch the new uh, animated one, which by all accounts is not an atrocious film. So, uh, yeah, that should be fun next week. Um, uh, <laughs> thank you all for being a part of this, and uh, we'll, we'll see you in the next one, when we will tell you whether or not we're going to get Super Mario Brothers 1983, get the flick out of here. Spoiler alert, we're going to say that. Bye, everybody. R-E-S-P-E-C-T. 
click the subscribe button and find out what it means to me. Nah, that doesn't have a ring to it. But if you like videos about real news stories that are funny, stupid, or weird, subscribe now.